Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World. This episode is brought to you by Botmock. Now, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of designers over the last year and a half or so, and Lucid Charts gets mentioned quite often as something that people use to create conversational uh, conversation flows, if you like, the happy path kind of stuff, um, and lots of other tools as well. Draw.io gets mentioned. Um, but the only thing with those is that they're not necessarily built for conversation design. They're built for process mapping, essentially. And a conversation isn't just a process map. It's it's a conversation, isn't it? So if you are using something like Microsoft Visio or Lucid Charts to create your conversational flows, then you can learn how to improve your entire design and prototyping experience for your conversational apps with Botmock. It is quite simply easier, more straightforward, fastest, and you get more control over the experience if you use a tool like Botmock rather than Lucid Chats or Microsoft Visio. Those tools weren't built for conversation design. Botmock was. Check out botmock.com slash VUXworld to find out more. That's botmock, B-O-T-M-O-C-K dot com slash VUXworld. On today's episode, we are speaking to Nico Acosta. Nico is the Director of Product and Engineering at Twilio Autopilot. Now, we've spoken about Autopilot in the past. We've had Elaine Lee on the podcast and she was sharing some tips and some tricks in how you can build trust through dialogue and how you can build trust through crafting uh, dialogue and designing dialogue. Um, and we touched it on the Autopilot platform, but we touched it a bit more from a design perspective. Today, we're going to kind of look at it in, in two ways. One, from a developer perspective, what's it like to actually build and develop on the Autopilot platform? But two, probably more appropriately for, for people who are developers, thinking about not just Autopilot as a tool, but thinking about your conversational strategy and thinking about your technology strategy and your architecture around your solutions. We get into some real good detail and Nico's got some fantastic advice around building the core logic once so you've got that in a centralized place and then you can feed that out through each of these conversational channels nico's got a really great perspective on conversation design and conversational ai in general he's not thinking about it as voice in terms of voice assistance he's thinking about it as voice in terms of using your voice to to communicate in a conversational way we get into some really good discussions around the differences and similarities between ivr and voice and to be honest People kind of think down a little bit about IVRs and, and think that voice, you know, if you don't design voice properly, it can be like a press one for this, press two for that. But actually, IVR systems can be quite complex. And Nico's got some real great insights into the kind of people who create IVR systems and why they're actually potentially a good fit for creating conversational experiences and voice experiences. Um, so this one is absolutely full of strategic insight and strategic advice around how you should be kind of setting yourself up to start implementing a conversation strategy. Uh, it's really, really great. You're going to absolutely love it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Nico Acosta of Twilio on VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. Let's get started. Kane, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Very well. How are you doing, Dustin? All right? Doing all right. In here in Paris, heading into the US or heading to London first. Uh, 
or again going to meet in person, which I'm quite excited about, and then going to be in the the woods of our guest today, Nico, very soon. So want to welcome Nico Acosta from Twilio. Welcome. Thank you, Dustin. Great to great to be here, and hello, everyone. Uh, really, really excited for the conversation today, and thank you for having me. So, Nico, you at Twilio, you're working on autopilot. Can you tell us a little bit more uh, first about yourself and then about autopilot? Absolutely. So, I'm, I'm Nico Acosta. I'm the director of product and engineering for Twilio AI business unit, and responsible for the autopilot product line and kind of the underlying machine learning platform that powers all the uh, ML that we use. A little bit about myself being. Um, been at Twilio since the early days, been seven year, seven and a half years at Twilio. Uh, played, uh, had multiple roles. Most most recently, I spent four and a half uh, years leading the voice product line. And and I should say that when we, in the Twilio world, voice means uh, telephony. <laughs> and so all the Grew, grew up for line for four and a half years. Before that, I was focused on the developer experience. And kind of general about myself, I'm a computer scientist, good chunk of my career. I've been a, an entrepreneur, started multiple companies and um, and now leading AI at Twilio. When you say voice and you mentioned telephony, are we still talking about the same kind of thing in terms of voice kind of um, a voice interface, an automated voice interface with kind of AI in the background and, and natural language and all that kind of stuff? Are you are you talking generally any channel where someone can use their voice to communicate with anything at Twilio, even if it's a human? Uh, both both cases, right? We see um, we see the kind of voice assistant type of uh, interactions. Kind of in the telephony world, known as known as IVRs, kind of that are in a process of transforming themselves to be kind of from the old school touchstone, press one for sales, press two for support, to be completely conversational, uh, to kind of a person-to-person communication, where that is um, uh, Uber Uber passenger calling an Uber driver or a customer calling a company and talking to a contact center agent. So say both both use cases. The kind of human to machine use case being being one of the important use cases. And has that been something that Twilio has been doing all along the human to machine side, or did you start off really just providing these tooling for for SMS, MMM, voice, uh, human to human, and move into the human to machine side? Yeah. So Twilio has been has had a kind of human to machine functionality from from day one. So to this 10 year old company since uh, voice was the first product and since then you could build uh, IVRs based on touchstones. And what we've done over the last couple of years is bring all the new technologies into, into the world of uh, voice such as speech recognition. And now with autopilot, we have like the full stack of uh, conversational AI platform. So we've been in this space for, for a while. We've seen the, the evolution of it, and it's kind of fascinating to see how it, kind of, it, it is playing a more and more important part in all the customer engagement story for companies. You spoke there around 
IV, so coming from the IVR side of things, what would you say? We've had we've had um, Simony Wilson on the podcast previously, and she is a VUI designer who comes from the kind of IVR world. So we've kind of spoke a little bit and touched a little bit on the kind of similarities or differences between designing for um, IVRs and things. But from your perspective, what do you think are some of the kind of the core differences in designing or creating or having an IVR system as a business versus designing or creating or having a voice presence or a voice interface somewhere as a business? What's the differences? Yeah. So it is, there's, there are similarities and there are, but there are pretty important differences and it's, it's key to understand kind of where the different, uh, different uh, lines of thoughts are are coming from Uh, when you're, if you look at voice right now, a lot of the interactions are single turn or like it's starting to get there where you have multi-turn interactions, but the most common ones are very command driven, turn on the lights, what's the price of Bitcoin, right? Single turn interactions. In in the IVR world, it, it is assumed that is multi-turn from the beginning and the interaction is assumed to be task oriented from the beginning in a IVRs is not something that people build for fun. It, they're very functional in nature and, and they, and they have, and they, they do with very large volumes of, uh, of users. So these are kind of multi-turn interactions from the get go where you're accomplishing a given task. Um, so you see that, the IVR folks attempt much more sophisticated conversational flows from the get-go because they have a, a task in mind that they want to complete that is not necessarily a single-turn task. Why do you think there is that level of sophistication on the IVR side that we're not seeing developers and designers build on the voice-first side right now? I think it's a matter of... Uh, of industry maturity, the the IVR has been uh, has been around for for decades, um, and and voice is 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 probably the most important emerging platform, but it's fairly new, right? Um, when you see that are there are a number of professionals that when you get their email, like their their signature says IVR developer. Right, it's a it's an entire ecosystem there, and and businesses have had to go at this really hard because it's a very important part of scaling their customer service and their customer engagement operations. So it solves a really really important problem for a business, one that is very hard to solve, which is how to serve customers at scale with a great operational efficiency. Um, so. I think the the delta you see there is not necessarily good or bad, but it's just a a community having worked on a problem for for quite some time. Twilio, I think, is at an interesting intersection where you're working with those who are on the IVR side. You're working with those who are on the voice first side. And yeah, and we're working with those that are on the chatbot side as well. Yeah, yeah. so you're really at that nexus right there. Why do you feel like there's not 
more overlap between those three. Certainly you do have some overlap between some people who do IVR and now are in voice first, but it feels like those are pretty separate. They, they are and they're not. I wouldn't say that there's no overlap. I, what we see is that all these are converging. What you see for like the most forward thinking enterprises is that they're converging these groups into a conversational AI group that owns, for example, the Alexa skill, the Google action, the IVR and the chatbot. That's kind of what the, what most of the forward thinking enterprises are doing in consolidating those efforts. I always say that it's a, it's, it's funny how when you talk to different members of the community, uh, if you talk to the IVR crowd, they're excited about Alexa and they're excited about messaging. When you talk to the chatbot crowd, they're excited about voice. <laughs> and, 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 and those are kind of signs that, that tell you like, all oh, this is, is converging. And, and, and we really, when we thought about autopilot as a platform, um, that is, that is something that is super core to how we build and design the product is we do believe that these are going to converge. And we do believe that uh, companies will benefit from decoupling the intelligence layer from channel specific implementations. Interesting. Do you want to, do you want to, Elaborate on that a little bit for those who who um, may not necessarily be as deep into this as we've spoke similar in, in a similar fashion to this in terms of separating content from logic and stuff like that. But do you want to elaborate a little bit on what you mean from separating the intelligence from the channel? Yeah. So when you when you think about a, any any consumer based business, um, there's probably between hundred and two hundred reasons why customers contact them. Right, and some of the some of the hardest ones to to some of the hardest things that like yes, there's like some top reasons, but the 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 long tail is pretty it's pretty beefy and pretty pretty long. Uh, so it's like not that obvious to automate. So you actually need to to tackle those two hundred things and to tackle them well. And obviously, conversational AI is a prime tool to do this. Whether whatever the channel is, whether you're interacting through a chatbot, through a 1-800 number, through an Alexa app. Um, and you want to build that, that model of like those 200 reasons why people call you, train them, extract the, the relevant data and the relevant fields from it. You want to build that once and not have to build and maintain in five different tools for each specific channel. Like the, the AI actually gets much better when it sees a breadth of examples, even if they come from different channels, people will say things in a different way, depending on the modality and the channel itself, but that makes the AI stronger. And the other thing that is important is that the, you want to make sure that you're building that AI layer in a way that is future proof that will let you react to what's going on in the market. Um, today, if you look back the last uh, decade or two, channels were fairly static. You had like website, the mobile app, the, the phone, or, or you could show up in person. Uh, but, but now there's channel explosion. And 
and the different channels have different values for the businesses depending on the geography on the target demographic and most and a lot of the times on the use case itself so you you want to be able to react to that and support all different channels and now we have whatsapp uh, business chat and apple business chat and uh, rbm and who knows what's going to come next and who knows what use cases those channels are going to be best at so having a platform where you can deploy those and leverage your intelligence layer so you don't have to fragment it is is critically important and the other thing I believe is going to happen is that the messaging channels are going to start um to become voice enabled as well you see it a little bit on the kind of google assistant app where like you can text or or write so same same point as the beginning all these uh, are are converging and it's if you have that decoupled from the channels you can leverage your investments in ai much better and move at a faster speed what then does twilio offer to allow this decoupling mm -hmm. yeah so that's we offer you can think about twilio in in a couple of different layers the the first layer is the twilio we are a communications api platform that enables developers to uh, build and integrate communications into any application so we offer um apis and, and and platforms for every modality of communication, whether that's uh, voice telephony, video, SMS, uh, any kind of messaging channel like WhatsApp and that stuff, uh, email. Uh, but then on top we offer, the core here is autopilot that connects to every single channel, but is a conversational AI platform that lets you train your models and then connect them to the channel, whether they're Twilio channels or not. You can also implement your your own um, your own channel if you have if you have, for example, if we don't support it natively yet, or you're building a custom built um, a custom built chat or a custom built voice assistant, you can integrate it as well. And so walk us through that. Let's say I wanted to use autopilot uh, this because I want to be on all of the, those different platforms and I want to do that decoupling. How would I go about starting that? Yeah, and here, here I'll talk a little bit about kind of our, where we started the conversation on, 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 on why, why, why is this different? And I'll talk a little bit about how autopilot is, is different than a lot of the conversational AI platforms you, you see out there and, and a little bit our philosophy on, on why we built it this way. The core building block of autopilot are tasks and the tasks represent what the user wants to accomplish. So um, the first thing that you do when where you're building with autopilot is define the task, which is what does the user need to do could be as simple as a what's the what's the price of bitcoin that is a single turn task or it could be a much more complex task like i want to get an ins a car insurance quote 
that is a fairly complex task. But we believe that kind of going back to the single and, and multi-turn uh, applications, we believe that like intents are are not the right building block to build sophisticated conversational applications. These intents are inherently single tasks. You can make it like single single term, sorry. Uh, you can make it multi-turn with some slot filling, but then for every single case, you need to create a different intent. And that complicates the business modeling significantly. You need to create an intent for kind of every case. With autopilot, you create tasks, and then that task, you program it to have one or two or three or multiple turns where it's asking for information, it's asking you questions, it's giving you information back, and it's making decisions on whether uh, on what to show you next. So it's completely dynamic. To give you an example, if you say, um, I need to get car insurance, the first question might be, are you buying a new or a used car, right? And that could render completely different questions. It's like buying a new car. Okay, great. Uh, what's the, you don't need to ask for the year because you know it's new, right? So what's the make, what's the, what's the model? Uh, give me like the registration number, all the stuff that you need. If it's used, you need to capture a bunch of different data. And that's kind of how you go about building with autopilot and then, and, and autopilot's different than the rest of the problems in that the core construct that we use to build conversations are tasks, not kind of single turn intents, if that makes sense. Wouldn't you have to... Um... So for an intent, let's take that insurance example. If the intent is to take out a policy and then all of the things that you just said there in terms of is it a new car, is it a used car, would they be slots? I'm just trying to I'm just trying to establish what the what the difference is between a task and an intent. Yeah, so they could, but then in the example where type of car new or used, right? And then you want to have conditional logic after that and ask different questions after that. And then you want to have other set of questions and ask uh, and execute your logic. And you want that to be completely dynamic. So at task, it, it could, the main difference is that slots, you need to define them up front, right? You need to define them on like whatever tool, build the model and everything. With tasks, you don't need to define what you're asking up front. You can think about it as a dynamic form, right? Like how, how you would build a website. Like you have like one field, based on that field, you make a business logic decision, render some other fields, you fill them up, you send them over, make a business logic decision, send some other fields, right? So it lets you implement like all these business workflows that are conditional on the information that you collect first and you don't need to have all that configured up front. You still need to define that though, wouldn't you? You would still need to define that process, that business process, if you like. Would you need you, you would need to do would you need to do a little bit of defining up front so that you can order so that you can determine where you should route stuff? You need to so how how a task is programmed is with uh, autopilot actions. And these are seven 
seven actions where you can say stuff, you can ask questions, uh, you can collect data from from users, you can um, you can show. So if it, if the device has a, a visual display, uh, you can redirect to another task or webhook out to your URL. You can remember so that you build a context. So if you say you can remember everything that a user says so that you can use it later in the dialogue. And um, you can hand off to, to a human agent. So those are the, the core actions. But the difference is that this is a kind of request response a webhook model. So uh, when an action gets invoked, when I say I want to buy car insurance, we webhook out to your server. Your server takes all the context of the conversation that you have at that point and renders a JSON similar to how it would render an HTML on a website with these actions. The user goes, answers those questions, and it webhooks out again. Your business logic does whatever it needs to do, and then it renders a new set of, a new set of instructions. And all this is within the car insurance, the get, get car insurance quote task. Uh, so this way, you do not need to um, to define all the fields up front. It can be dynamic, which is a huge, huge thing, which is kind of like how the web works, right? Depending on, on the car that you're going to buy, if it's a luxury car, you might need to ask some questions. If you're getting insurance in, in one country, it might be some questions. If it's in a different country, it might be another set of questions for like regulatory issues and who knows what. Right. A lot of this stuff is very dynamic based on the business logic. And with Autopilot, since all these are generated um, by your app, you can build fairly sophisticated conversational flows on a task and have like multiple steps of natural language understanding on all these, on all these uh, different stages of a task. And then at the end, you kind of complete that car insurance and you can do something else. Then to perhaps put it in a, a visual perspective, you're, what you have here are you have uh, the task and the tasks are performing actions. Is that correct? That's correct. That is correct. And then the actions are generated by, uh, by your server. So we webhook out fetch a JSON that has those actions and kind of that interaction can go on and on and on and on. So the conversation is designed in autopilot, but everything that feeds into it in terms of what you need to get from the user as part of that conversation comes from an external API. Yes, you design the, the basic schema of the tasks, right? Of like, I want to get car insurance. I want to check my uh, my application status or check my claim status, right? Uh, but then how you build those tasks is is completely dynamic. One of the things that we see a lot is, uh, and it is the same principle that uh, we use at Twilio for pretty much all of our products, is that you drive the the interaction from where your business logic lives. The, like a lot of these decisions of what to ask and where to go from a given point in the dialogue, they are 
business logic driven and it requires the context that you have in your application it requires you to know that um, that a used car has these requirements or that a new car has these requirements. So what we do is that we make it really easy for you to generate that reusing any web application or any API that you have to generate those conversational flows. And then who's building this ultimately? Is it a devs only tool or is it something where devs are responsible for something? You've got designers responsible for another thing. Who's ultimately putting this together? Yeah, so um, developers are, this is a product for developers. So developers are, are building these flows. Uh, in some cases they have uh, some level of design depending on on the sophistication, but uh, these are developers building the flows. Um, okay. You mentioned there that, that earlier on you were talking about different channels having different requirements and different use cases and contexts and stuff like that. Um, and then if the um, logic is, so if the logic is handled via the kind of back end system the lana business system or whatever and every channel has its own kind of context how do you go about creating that core logic if different channels require something slightly different if you want to build it once and have all of the the ai and and, and the logic and, and all of that kind of like the brain if you like in one place yet individual channels may require something kind of different how do you kind of, how do you approach that? Yeah, so I think there there are channels that are best suited for different types of tasks. And I'll give you a couple of, of examples. And it depends on what the customer experience is at, at that point. If you, if you follow, for example, like the the, the insurance example, if, if you, if you get into an, accident you're most likely going to call right and when you call you want an experience where like get a hold of a human really really quickly and that's like kind of one type of of experience but if you if you have a minor issue and then you file a claim to to get your car fixed and and when you have a claim it's kind of like something pretty top of mind that's going on in your life right it's like, ah, oh God, did this claim get, get, get approved? I need to get this through, right? Uh, that's when, like, those, those, thing, those type of use cases are really well suited for, uh, for Alexa or for Google Assistant, where it's like, hey, Alexa, what's the status of my claim? Right? You, you, you're asking that three times a day, <laughs> right? Um, and so that's what I mean where different channels are very better suited for different use cases. Uh, if you call on the phone and that's the same thing, the same thing will work. But the key for like a good strategy is kind of learning what, what use, use cases to leverage on which channel and not assume that all the channels are equal. Like the check insurance, check the status claim is kind of like super, super easy, super convenient to do, it's even easier than taking the, your phone and looking at the app, right? It's like, it cannot get more convenient. 
but identifying what are those kind of top use cases by channel and, and kind of prioritizing those. Uh, but that doesn't mean that if you, if you text or if you call in any other channel, it won't work. There is a component uh, that you touched on earlier that is the separation uh, of kind of the programming and, and the content, right? And then the content in a platform like Autopilot can be, you, you do get uh, the channel that the user is interacting. So like you can customize different content for different channels. So if like the tolerance for voice users to listen to long text is very low, right? But if you're texting, you can send a bunch of stuff. It's like, it'll, it'll, it'll be there. Right, and you need to remember it. So you customize that and, and handle and tune the, the the experience that way. But I think the the most important point is is kind of identifying from a convenience from a user experience and a convenience perspective what are what is what is the experiences that we want to 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 push for for each platform. Do you then have guidelines, especially for people who are entering these new spaces, where you can say this is the kind of thing that is well geared towards this platform. This is the kind of thing that's well geared towards other platforms, or is it more getting out and speaking with their customers and it's on a case by case basis? Yeah. So I would say that still, it's still early. Uh, I think we're, we're uh, putting uh, having guidelines and stuff like that. Something that we, that we want to do as, as we see, we see these patterns with more clarity and, um, but right now, it is it is early. We see a lot of experimentation. We see a lot of uh, people trying to solve a bunch of different problems, and it's now more of a customer by customer basis. Um, but we do start seeing a lot of a lot of patterns um, on across all the deployments. What what are some of those? What are some of those patterns? Is that what we've just been talking about in terms of maybe customizing content for different channels or is there any other patterns that you've noticed that, that may feed into some of this best practice or guidelines? Yeah, so a couple of things. The Anything that has a well-defined workflow is a, is a very good candidate to, to automate. But perhaps the strongest pattern that we're seeing is around or strongest uh, use case that we're seeing is around um, everything around scheduling. Like we're seeing that across industries, scheduling stuff, scheduling appointments, calls, visits, and then managing that. Um, and our, our autopilot's really well, well suited for that because it has um, what we would call built-in fields that give you like the natural language understanding on dates, times, locations. And that's kind of one thing that we are we're we're saying that is very, very interesting um for see one of the biggest things across all all industries is automating that scheduling process. So if it's it's in the financial sector, scheduling like talking to a financial advisor if it's in the automotive industry, scheduling a test drive. If it's obviously in healthcare, there's plenty of scheduling to be done there. Um, so that's 
I would say one of the strongest patterns we see. Beyond scheduling, what are some of the applications that people and companies are building on autopilot today? Yeah, so a couple of um, a couple of things. There's uh, a lot of folks building kind of question answering, and these are not like discrete use cases. A lot of use cases have kind of one of all, one or all of these types of, of things that I'm going to talk about. Um, question answering. So, for example, we have. Um, one use case is deployed on Alexa as the city city of Lake Forest, um, doing frequently and infrequently asked questions for citizens. So, if you people that want to ask like how to how to report a graffiti or what to do if my garage is blocked and uh, a bunch of stuff like that, um, doing that question answering and improving engagement. And these are these are. Um, single turn answers, but uh, the breadth of them, it just it makes it super, super valuable. The other thing that we see a lot is um, lead qualification. So handling inbound leads, qualifying is like, how big is your company? Are you between, are you over, over a thousand people? Uh, what industry you are? Um, do you have the budget for this? like whatever the qualification questions are. And then that plugs in into a broader infrastructure uh, where you can route those calls or route those messages uh, appropriately based on whatever questions you, whatever answers you got. So uh, lead, lead qualification is, is, um, is an important one. With the lead qualification, you mean, if I needed my windows replaced, I might call in and say, uh, hey, I need my windows replaced. They ask if it's for a house or a business and they're going to route me based on which of those uh, and perhaps how much money I can bring them ultimately. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, and, and this applies across industries, right? Um, but industry-wise, we're seeing, we're seeing use cases in in travel uh, for reservation management, we're seeing use cases in government like the city of Lake Forest, in real estate, uh, in retail, both e-commerce and, and kind of physical retail. Uh, we're seeing use cases in finance, mm, kind of pretty much across the board. As as a which is expected from like a broad and, and horizontal platform. We're not a we're not a customer support bot platform or we're not a, a sales bot platform. It's since the, the beauty about being a platform is that you, you empower developers uh, to build and you do all this, you give them all these building blocks and they can assemble those building blocks in so many uh, different ways that like some of the, some of the ways that they, some of the things that they come up with are, are, are truly incredible. Some of the use cases are, are expected like, like, I don't know, the scheduling is like not super surprising, um, but I've definitely seen some, some that, are, that are fairly creative, I would say. What are some examples of those? I think one of my favorites is a, a company that does websites for small businesses. 
And these are like truly small businesses, maybe businesses that are where the owner does not have internet, right? Think like a taco, a taco truck or stuff like that. Um, and they, they built this autopilot bot where you call in and then they ask you a bunch of questions, what industry you're on. They ask you, for example, if you're on Yelp or not, uh, they ask you uh, your location and and with I think it's like ten questions, they create a website for you. It's just like <laughs> wow, I had never like we we thought really hard about the use cases when we were building the product, but like we never imagined a voice driven <laughs> kind of website builder. Um, wow. What so so somebody would call this number, tell answer these ten questions, and the output of that phone call would be a website generated for them based on that call. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Is that automated or is that being handed off to to someone else who's ultimately building the website? No, it's automated. It's automated, oh, wow. and then um, once it's live, you can go in and, and change some things. But it gives you like at the end of the flow, it gives you a working website, which is pretty incredible. And it sends you an SMS with a link and like, uh, so you see this type of thing since like, uh, that's, that's really what, what really inspires us here at Trulu when, when you, when you see all the new use cases and, and sometimes these use cases end up being really, really big and we end up kind of uncovering new, new parts of the market. Uh, and, and that's the beauty of, of platforms. And Nico, when you're daydreaming and you're thinking about, man, I just wish somebody would do this on Twilio and I would just be happy. I'd be able to be, uh, retire. What is your dream implementation using Twilio? Yeah. So I think that you know, when I, when I talk to, uh, to people and talk to customers, one of the, the thing that I hear the most is that I've, I've never heard anybody that likes waiting on hold and, and it's probably like the, the worst customer experience possible, which is I am giving you my full attention and the business is telling me to wait. <laughs> uh, right. And then on the other hand, businesses pay millions and millions of dollars on advertising to get my attention and I'm there giving them my attention and you're not paying attention to me. It's like a such a huge contradiction. So when I when I think about the, um, if you take a complex business like the travel or the banking industry, right, where where you can actually do complex tasks uh, through voice, and I don't know if you've if you've ever um, lost an international wire transfer, but it's it's not fun. If you lose an international wire transfer, it is rocket science to find it. <laughs> and like, if you call in the frontline agent can't help you, the supervisor can't help you. Like you need to make it all the way to like the FX desk to find it. Um, like how, how, you know, what we dream is being able to tackle these complex, uh, cases where everything can be, self-service because customers actually prefer self-service if it's possible. And sometimes you do want humans, say if you crash your rental car, 
you want business to have that empathy and connect you with a human. But if it's if it's a consumer preference to to have a sales service experience, being able to offer no matter what complexity there is in in the background, and and we believe that to offer a simple experience for customers dealing with all that complexity in the background, you need really good platforms that are easy to integrate and easy to model so that you can leverage all the applications in the background. I think in in the future, we'll have to go to more of what how like the enterprise is talking about the robotic process automation and navigate all the old school um, old school enterprise apps and get the information from wherever it is and bring it to the user in a convenient way. But that's that's the kind of the, the ultimate goal that every customer engagement is is uh, is smart that every customer engagement is uh, is being able to is self service and and ultimately that's a that's a great experience. Um, we're the I'd say the the change that's going to drive the industry in the next five years is it's pretty it's pretty dramatic um, and. And companies know that they they need to to step up their game and that they cannot keep their their customers on hold uh, for much longer. Yeah, Nico, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you? Where can people find more about Twilio and Autopilot? Awesome. Well, Dustin, Kane, thank you so much for for having me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Acosta with double S A C O S S T A. And you can learn more about Autopilot at twilio.com slash autopilot. Fantastic. Nico, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Great talking to you guys. That was Nico Acosta of Twilio. What an ending that was. The dream for for using Twilio is to get rid of people being on hold on calls such a good point people spend millions of pounds trying to capture people's attention and what do they do when they get that attention they put you on hold everyone's bugbear um really really good what i liked about that is that we spoke previously to uh, elaine lee uh she's also at twilio and we spoke to elaine about the design side but it was really good to jump kind of upper level to the to the kind of more broader business side to figure out how Twilio would advise you to go ahead and implement uh, a conversational AI as part of your business and I really like Nico's thinking on creating that core brain and this is not necessarily a new concept we've come across this in many different places before and spoke to many different people who've said something very similar which is that create the core brain the core logic the core AI centrally and then use that to distribute throughout all of your conversational channels. And I love the way that Nico's approaching this, not from a voice perspective necessarily, but from a conversational perspective in terms of it doesn't matter whether or not you use the phone, doesn't matter whether or not you use WhatsApp, doesn't matter whether or not you use Alexa. It's all a similar experience and the same kind of experience that feeds through the same back end. So you've got consistency across all channels um, and you've got a presence on all of those channels. And then it becomes just about what interface is the right interface for the right kind of task for the user at any given time. Really, really good observations. Thank you so much, Nico, for joining us on this one. Thank you, Dustin, as always. And as always, boys and girls, thank you all for listening. Until next time, see you later.